Alright friends, we're going to finish up the book. There's actually two chapters, 24 and 25, but 24 is quite short. So I think we can pull this off together in one unit. We're going to see the final kings and Nebuchadnezzar is going to come onto the scene and he's going to, in kind of two attempts, um, bring about the great exile of Judah, which is a theological crisis that there is now no longer a son of David, a physical descendant of David, sitting in Jerusalem on the throne. It's going to bring about this theological crisis, but we're going to understand why, and it's because of the unfaithfulness of the kings. But here we go. Verse 124, In his days Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up, and Jehoiakim became a servant for three years. Then he returned and rebelled against him. We're going to find out why in a second. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the Ammonites and sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by servants of prophets. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done and also for the innocent blood that he had shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not pardon. Okay, so... Um, the king rebels against Nebuchadnezzar after three years, and of course it's bad, and there's this taxation from foreign powers, and they don't like it. Um, but when they rebel, they aren't able to strengthen themselves in any way in order to resist the king of Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, they're kind of having their blood drained by being invaded by these traveling bands of marauders from many different nations. And we're giving a, a given a theological interpretation of this event through the prophet who's writing this book. And he's saying this is because the Lord wanted to destroy them because of the unfaithfulness of the kings and especially Manasseh and all his wickedness. So even when they rebel, there's no success in it because um, God's not with them. Verse 5, now the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. And the king of Egypt did not come out again of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. So that's why we're dealing with Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden. Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh had met, fought, and Pharaoh had lost. And now Nebuchadnezzar is the big bully on the block, and that's why he's the one in charge of Jerusalem right now, and he's the one that the king has rebelled against. Verse 8. Now Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Uh-oh, who else only reigned three months? Uh, his mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. He did was evil, evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants... So, and we don't totally know why the previous king died. It's kind of blanked. But... Uh, Here's his son, who comes into power just long enough to be completely devastated by a foreign king. Verse 10, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and his palace officials. The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign. That is a hard one to work out. Is it the eighth year of the king of Babylon's reign, perhaps? Maybe. Jehoiachin only reigned for three months. 
yeah so I, I'm gonna choose to read it like that could be wrong um, so yeah it, I, I figure this is like back in David's reign when Joab was attacking a city and he was about to defeat it and that's he called out David's saying you know you better show up if you want the glory or else I'm gonna take it so the king of Babylon sends his servants right before they successfully uh, take the city Nebuchadnezzar himself shows up to mete out uh, punishment Joy Chin surrenders himself uh, doesn't try to it isn't recorded if he tries to flee but he surrenders himself with all the officials and they are carted off into captivity all right verse 13 and carried off all the treasures so this is halfway through sentence sorry about that um carried off all the treasures of the house of the lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the lord which solomon king of israel had made as the lord had foretold he carried away all jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor ten thousand captives and all the craftsmen with the smiths none remained except the poorest people of the land and he carried away jehoiachin to babylon the king's mother the king's wives his officials and the chief men of the land he took into captivity from jerusalem to babylon and the king of babylon brought captive to babylon all the men of valor seven thousand the craftsmen and the metal workers one thousand all of them strong and fit for war and the king of babylon made metaniah jehoiachin's uncle king in his place and changed his name to zedekiah so um nebuchadnezzar is ticked at the rebellion and so he is going to drain judah and jerusalem of their their will for resistance that's the plan so he thinks by taking away their religious identity by um, stripping the temple he's going to like take away some of their religious zeal to resist and by taking away their human capital um, their leaders that's that's going to also drain away their capacity and their will to resist um, and i think this group of people i could be wrong but i think this is the group of people that ezekiel would be um, a part of Ezekiel's ministry is in Babylon and he's um, ministering before the fall of Jerusalem before Jerusalem sacked and the temple is destroyed and so as I would understand it this would be the group of people that Ezekiel is brought to Babylon as a part of and that he's going to be ministering the prophetic word of the Lord in to those people at this time this is when Jeremiah is ministering the word of the Lord through the fall of Jerusalem so there's two two of the great prophets two of the longer booked prophets are functioning at this time Jeremiah in Jerusalem and Ezekiel outside of Jerusalem but both chronicling this like most important historical event in the life of Israel verse 18 Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began came king and he reigned 11 years in jerusalem his mother's name was hamutal the daughter of jeremiah of libna and he did what was evil in the sight of the lord according to all that jehoiakim had done for because of the anger of the lord it came to the point in jerusalem and judah that he cast them out of his presence and zedekiah rebelled against the king of babylon so i could be wrong but sometimes when god wants to punish a people he just lets them be dumb and to me it seems incredibly dumb that zedekiah would rebel against the king of babylon having already seen his people completely defeated by the king of babylon um, but he decides to do it anyways and the theological one of the theological perspectives is because god has wanted to do execute more of the covenant curse of exile 
they've only been partially exiled it's a pretty thorough one but it isn't complete yet and so in the providence of god he allows Zedekiah to be foolish and to rebel against the king of babylon so that his wrath is complete okay switching into chapter 25 now this is your double portion you're getting two chapters in one recording and in the ninth year of his reign in the tenth month and the tenth day of the month nebuchadnezzar king of babylon came um, with all his army against jerusalem and laid siege to it and they built siege works all around it so the city was besieged till the eleventh year of the king of of king zedekiah On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans were around the city, and they went in the direction of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains and took him to Babylon. So the rebellion is obviously not a success. The king of Babylon does a very thorough siege of Jerusalem, um, starves them out, and when they try to flee, captures them, and then does this really painful thing. Um, he, he kills the sons of Zedekiah and then gouges out his eyes so that the last thing Zedekiah will ever see is his sons dying. Uh, it's, it's a terrible vengeance. Um, and then he's brought off in chains. Verse 8. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, it was the 19th year of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, King, Babel, King of Babylon, Excuse me. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord. Okay, so here is the great desecration that um, that Jeremiah even writes lamentations about. Now, people say it's Jeremiah, but the book of Lamentations is written about this event, just the lamenting of the burning of the temple and the sack of Jerusalem. And uh, it says, okay, verse 9, And he burned the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house was burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city, and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. And also he left Jeremiah behind because Jeremiah, because Jeremiah had um, prophesied that Nebuchadnezzar would succeed. He'd um, encouraged the people to surrender and not rebel. He was granted his life as a war prize and told that he could either come to Babylon and be treated nice or stay in Jerusalem. And he chose to stay in Jerusalem and was treated horribly because of it. But um, so there's actually like waves of exiles coming out of Jerusalem. And this time it's like complete. They have destroyed the city to make it completely indefensible. They've destroyed the temple to desecrate it and make it a place that no one would want to like rally around in defense of. And they're bringing everybody that they can out of this place. And they're going to scatter them throughout the kingdom so that they can't 
bind together in rebellion. And uh, this is why um, Ezra and Nehemiah, those books are written where 70 years from now-ish, they're going to come back and they have to rebuild the walls. And uh, uh, Haggai is going to prophesy about the rebuilding of the temple. And so this is why those books exist, because of what Nebuzaradan did according to the will of the Lord and according to the rebellion of king, the king there. All right. Verse 13, And the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord, and the stands and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. And they took away the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the dishes for incense, and all the vessels of bronze were used in the temple service, the fire pans also and the bowls. Uh, what was of gold, the captain of the guard took away as gold, and what was silver as silver. As for two the two pillars, the one sea, and the stands that Solomon made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all the vessels beyond weight, the weight of the one pillar was eighteen the height of the one pillar was eighteen cubits, and on it was the capital bronze. The height of the capital was three cubits. A lattice work and pomegranates, all of bronze, were all around the capital, and the second pillar had the same with the lattice work. So you're having this recounting of all the pieces of the temple that's is similar to the recounting of the construction of the temple under the days of Solomon. And again, I think this is just meant to give a sense of completion as a book, but also a sense of God's wrath undoing the blessings that he had done through Solomon. All the work that Solomon did building the temple was lost because the God of the temple is more important than the temple, and the true worship of the God of the temple is uh, more important than the outward furnishings of the temple. But as they're seeing these furnishings busted up, broken down, hauled off as war bounty, it's like this this rehearsing of the trauma of their sin and unfaithfulness being visited with the wrath of God. Verse 18, And the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold. And from the city he took an officer who had been in command of the men of war, and five men of the king's council who were found in the city, the secretary of the commander of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Rabbah. Ribla, and the king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Rabla in the land of Hamath. So Judah was taken into exile out of its land. So this is like saying job well done for the for the exile. Twenty two and over the people who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, he appointed Gadali, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, the governor. Now when all the captains and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gadali a governor, they came with their men to Gadali at Mizpah, namely Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and Johanan, the son of Kiriah, and Sariah, the son of Tanhumeth, the Netophathite, well, these are tough names, and Jezaniah, the son of Maacathite. Gedali swore to them and to their men, Do not be afraid of the king of the Chaldean officer. Do not be afraid because of the Chaldean officer officials. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and she'll be well with you. Note, that's what Jeremiah had been saying as well. So God and man have been saying, All you need to do is be at peace, and you'll be okay. Verse 25, But in the seventh month, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishema, of the royal house, royal family, came with ten men and struck down Gedaliah, put him to death along with the Jews and the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people, both small and great, and the captains 
of the forest arose and went into Egypt for they were afraid of the Chaldeans and they took the prophet Jeremiah with them so I'm just saying that that's um, at the end of verse 26 was they were afraid of the Chaldeans but as you read the book of Jeremiah these scenes were all recounted in more detail and Jeremiah is kind of forced to go to Egypt even though he, he sought the Lord and the Lord said don't go to Egypt they they hauled him off to Egypt um, and so even the remnant is sinning and then fleeing the land out of the land in fear and sin and then when Jeremiah brought was brought to Egypt he like buried something under one of the cobblestones and said um, the king of Babylon is going to come here too and going to put his throne right on top of this thing I buried and so the people who thought they were running away from the Babylon are going to find out that Babylon is going to follow them because God's trying to say you can't run away from me you need to humble yourself repent believe honor honor my word but humble yourself stop being proud stop attacking people stop killing each other and stop thinking you can control me with your rebellion all right the last uh section here that wants to end on a, a note of hope because it does look a little bit like all is lost so they're going to end on a note of hope verse 27 and in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, in the 12th month, in the 27th day of the month, evil Merodach, the king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were in the, with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined regularly at the king's table, and for his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king according to his daily needs as long as he lived. So God turns the king, the next king of Babylon, or I'm not sure where in succession this would be, but one of the later kings of Babylon, he turns his heart towards the king of Judah and honors him with a seat at the table and takes care of his needs. And so almost like a little sprout coming out of the ground um maybe this was what isaiah was talking about how the the stump of jesse's hewn down but there's going to be a little sprout that comes out the side this jehoiachin this little honor the scene of honoring this prisoner is the the little sprout of hope coming out of the stump of jesse that god has not for, even though he's fulfilled his word that he spoke through Moses that he would exile them for their unbelief he's also not forgotten about his word to Moses and there is a future hope for Israel because God's going to be faithful to his promise and faithful to his word and with that we wrap up the book of Kings Woo! <laughs>